Good morning. Grace and peace to you. God is love. Thank you, Jim, for the songs. I detect in all of you better hearts and better singing. I really do. God bless you for that. So what did we talk about on the last day of the year? The first day of the next year, maybe. Don't always do that, but I guess the Spirit moved me to think about facing a new year, 2018. What will it bring? You know, everybody always wonders about it. And you've probably seen in the newspaper, magazines, and even on TV, they look back at last year, everything that happened, both the good and the troubles, and it uh, makes you wonder what, what will happen. You know, what blessings will God bring? You know, too, sometimes we don't think about, wonder how God will bless us this year. We just think about what will be the bad stuff, you know, what will happen. Well, surely there will be things happen. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, God is going to bless us in 2018 also. He's made that promise, right? He's going to bless us. And so you have to look for the blessing sometime, like Mike said, in the prayer. God's going to bless us. He's going to take care of us. Then, of course, we also, and, you know, in those blessings, we want to rejoice, be thankful, and acknowledge him. But then, as we know, Satan's also going to be around, isn't he? He's not leaving. All right, so he's going to be bringing his attacks on us, and Mike prayed about that as well, uh, whatever that might be. In uh, Ephesians 6, where Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God, he, he talks about two types of attacks of the devil there. The first one is the schemes or the wiles of the devil, where he tries to deceive us through his lies, his temptations, his uh, causing us to not see things the right way, to uh, put our value on the wrong things, and so forth. And then he talks about the fiery darts, the direct attacks that come on us through Satan. And when I think about fiery darts, I always think about Job, when, you know, the house collapsed, all his children were killed, he lost his livelihood and, um, you know, had the skin disease, the boils or whatever it was. Attacks from Satan, that kind of attack. Direct, head on, here it comes. You got a big problem. And Satan will be around. And uh, we pray his attacks are few and not severe. But when they come... And, of course, this is good for daily living. This is good for strengthening us. We've got five scriptures today. But these are all to strengthen us, encourage us, to remind us who our God is. The title of the lesson, Words to Fight By. Okay? And, we, you know, there's dozens of these scriptures. You have your favorites, I'm sure. Some of you have these little devotionals you read from day to day. 
but I just thought it would be good to remind us, and maybe you want to take these and, you know, put them somewhere in your Bible or on your mirror in the morning when you read those over or whatever. <laughs> just when Satan comes around, here are some real things, some, some, something to get your teeth into, your spiritual teeth into, to remind you he's not going to win. He's not going to defeat you. You're not going to go down. That's what these scriptures are about. That's what this lesson's about. Just to be ready to strengthen us in our faith and to focus on the realities of life because Satan always wants us to get our eyes off the realities of life. To start looking at the trouble, all right? To start thinking bad, thinking uh, nothing's ever going to be good again. We're all going to go down. Woe is me. You know, this is what Satan wants you to think. But God doesn't want us to think that way, does he? He wants us to think positive. God is with us. You can overcome. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. All right? This is the attitude and the heart we need to have. All right? To stand against Satan and his attack. Words to fight by. All right, 1 John 4 and 4. We need to know and be reminded that God is God, the sovereign power of all the universe. No amen on that? We need to be reminded of that. He is God. He rules over Satan. Satan doesn't lift a finger unless God keeps his hand off. And I don't know all about that relationship, but we know from Scripture that that's the case. 1 John 4 and 4. You are from God. He's talking to Christians, those who have been baptized into Christ and are serving him. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. He's talking about the false spirits in, uh, that are out in the world, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Do you believe it? Words to fight by, you know, when, it, when he comes at you. Greater is he who is in me. We can look at that from the standpoint, Paul talks about Christ living in him by faith through the word of God, or also we have the gift of the Holy Spirit who actually lives in us. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, which is Satan. And so if he's greater, what? He's got more power, doesn't he? We kind of talked a little bit about this last week, about our God. He is greater, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's wiser, he's more powerful, whatever you want to say. And so we don't need to fear the evil one. He might come around. He might hurt us. But we should never fear him. Never. He has been defeated, hasn't he? He lost in the wilderness when Jesus stared him down and did not listen to any of his enticements. And he lost at Golgotha. 
when Jesus submitted himself to be crucified, did his Father's will, so he might overcome sin in the flesh, and he was resurrected. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Those are words to fight by. All the other gods out there in the world are just pretenders. They're pretenders. And then they cannot approach to the glory or power of Jesus Christ. Cannot. They're idols. They're made, they're visions of men. So this is our God. This is your God. He is in you. Christ dwells in us by faith. Believe it. Live by it. Fight by it. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Go to that scripture when the attack comes. All right, second thought. Let's go to Mark 12. We need to remind it that our God is about life, not death. Mark 12 and 27, this comes right at the end of the story. I don't like to say story. The narrative, the encounter Jesus had with the Sadducees, they posed the, the little conundrum they thought about the, uh, the lady who had a husband and she died. They didn't have any children. She didn't have any children. And so under Jewish law, the next brother was to take her, his wife, and raise up children to the brother who was dead. Well, in their Sadducees' little conundrum, there were seven brothers. The first one took the wife. He died, no children. And the next one, he died, no children, and so forth. And they're posing, all right, Lord, if you, in, uh, in the next life, whose husband will she have? Which one will be her husband? And Jesus says, well, you know, you got it all wrong. You don't understand God nor the power of God because there's no marriage and given in marriage in the next life. And in verse 27, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are greatly mistaken because, you know, they're saying, they're kind of going against their own belief because they didn't believe in a resurrection. That you could even come back from the dead. Nobody would. So God is about life. He's not the God. He mentions there he is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he's talking about the fact that they're just asleep right now or the fact that they are going to be resurrected one day, which is within God's power. He's talking about God as a God of life. He caused Adam to breathe. Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He gives life to every babe in the womb. He gives life to us every breath. He created this earth to be inhabited by living beings, by the human race. He created the human race in his image. Life is precious. And it comes from God. He gave his son to overcome the death sentence in us so that we might have life eternal. Look at verse 24 there. 
in that same reading. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are mistaken, that you do not understand the Scriptures or the power of God? Is not the God of the dead, the God of the living. Here's the challenge. Wake up every day to live. Live that day to the fullest. Whatever God has for you to do that day, live it. Rejoice in it. So maybe it's something to enjoy. Maybe it's something, some task to be performed. Do it with uh, all your heart. Do it to the best of your ability. Do it to the glory of Christ. And do not be afraid of dying. Do not. Because he is the God of the living. Of the living. And if we're in Christ, we'll be resurrected one day to life. To life. Don't fear death. Live the life that God has given you. Live it to its fullest. And don't fear dying. Our third scripture, back to 1 John. We need to be reminded. Sometimes we need... I think sometimes we're, we're weak in this area. I know I can be weak in this area at times. We're a little bit like Saul. We were studying in our Bible class this morning. We got our, we got our mind made up. We know what we want to do. We want to forge ahead where it's first thing in the morning or something happens and oh, I know what we need to do about let, let's go ahead, let's make our plans, or let's just run out the door with the car keys in our hand, and this is what we're going to do. We need to remember to pray. We need to be reminded that our God will answer our prayers in our hour of need. He will do that. 1 John 5.14 this is the confidence which we have before him. Now the question for each one of us is, do you have this confidence, if you will, or faith? Do you have this confidence to do this? Or do you kind of just set God aside and try to do it on your own? We have this confidence before him that if we ask anything according to his will... we ask anything according to his will. We're not talking about outlandish stuff here. All right? Weird and crazy things. We're talking about things we need. Really need spiritually. Maybe it is something materially. You know? Healing. Maybe we do need a better job. God would understand if we need that. All right? That's what he's talking about here. I need uh, more faith. I need more patience. I need uh, better wisdom to understand the scriptures. All right? I need deeper love for my husband or for my wife. Okay? I need a better servant's attitude, whatever that is. All right? If we ask anything according to his will. All right? And, you know, that according to his will thing, sometimes I think that's like for us, oh, I really want this, Lord, but if this is all you want to give me, then okay. 
Now, sometimes that's the case, but I don't think he's really talking about this, that. I think he's talking about within the context of his will, he wants uh, me to be a joyful person, and I'm not, all right? He wants me to be a man of faith, and I'm really, you know, I'm weak on that. Or I want to have a, a uh, uh, deeper love for my fellow man, and maybe I don't do that very well. You know, all those things that we know are within the will of God. All those scriptures we read, okay, about the fruit of the Spirit, about avoiding the work of the flesh, okay, and being like Christ, all right? Lord, I need to be more Christ-like. You think God will not grant you that prayer? You think God would not grant you the answer to the prayer if you say, I need to be more Christ-like? I think this is what he's really talking about here. In our spiritual growth, our spiritual lives, looking at our weaknesses and knowing where we need to do better. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God, the God, sitting on the throne in heaven, hears us. Now, that can be both a scary thing and a very inspiring thing, you know? And we're talking about being inspiring today. God hears us when we pray for these things. And then 15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, which we do, then what? We know that we have the request. We have asked of him. We have them. That's powerful, isn't it? That is absolutely powerful. But how many of us neglect this? We neglect it. We don't examine ourselves. We don't even say, God, examine me and give me what I need. Help me grow. Help me to mature. Help me to be more like Christ. Maybe I can't see my weaknesses. So we need to cry out to our Heavenly Father and look for His answers. To expect them and to anticipate them. To pray. To pray according to His will. Yeah, we're also talking about in times of need, he'll take care of us. Absolutely, he's promised to do that. Go to that verse. Remember that verse before you start to run out the door, before you pick up the phone to call somebody. Maybe I need to pray first and say, God, I need your help. I need your guidance right now. What should I do? All right, Luke 12. We need to know and be reminded that God delights in his people. That he does love us. 
So reading Jesus' words, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Those wonderful words, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Whatever happens, do not be afraid. So easy to start fearing things. Yes, we're to fear God, but we're not to be afraid of him. The essence of God is love and goodness. We sang about that. I'm not even sure he's talking about being afraid of God. Perhaps some of us are afraid of God. We need to fear God. We should not be afraid when things happen in life, when the devil comes around. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. I'll never forsake you. He calls us the little flock. God understands we're the sheep, okay? In the Old Testament, it's God, the Lord God is the shepherd. You can read that in several places, Jeremiah and Ezekiel in particular. And in the New Testament is Jesus, isn't it? John chapter 10 in particular and other places. I am the good shepherd. I'm taking care of the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. I'm the door of the sheep. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Don't be afraid, little flock. Yeah, we're... You know, whether, whether it's this size or even a congregation of two or three hundred, you look at the world, it's still what? Little flock. Yep, here we are. This is us. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I see you. I know you. I'm watching over you. He's chosen gladly. I think one translation there has it's a good pleasure. I like that better. It's his good pleasure. Something, notice this, which gives joy to God. Right? Yeah. How about that? You know God can have joy? Remember when, uh, I think it was the 70 returned, and they had had success in casting out demons and all, and Jesus was rejoicing in his spirit? Remember that? And, of course, the, the parable there, about the lost sheep, and we're told that the angels in heaven rejoice when a sinner repents. You know, we sometimes think it's all drab and dull because it is serious, but, you know, there's a lot of joy in heaven. And there are a lot of things that make God feel good. And this is one of them. It's his plan. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you the kingdom I'm going to give you the king I wrote down here. Are you kidding me? Think about it. He's going to give us the kingdom through Christ Jesus. I don't even know what all that means. We've studied about that in particular on Wednesday night. You know, heaven and so forth, new heavens and a new earth, what that next world is going to be like. It's going to be glorious and grand. He's giving that to us. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. But through Christ Jesus, he's giving it to us. And that gives God joy. He's a giver. 
And, you know, that's part of what love is, you know. We've just gone through a season of giving. And I hope that you really found the joy in giving and not so much in the receiving. God is giving us the greatest, most glorious, and wonderful gift that has ever been given since time began. It's all wrapped up in Christ Jesus. He is the real gift, but the kingdom comes with him. God delights in that, and he delights in you and me, and those who serve him. So remember that one. When you have a tough day, a rough day, and you want there's God around, remember Luke 12, 32. It's God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Our last verse from Psalm 118. Go back to the first covenant. We have a song along this line. I'm not sure where it is or what the name of it is. We need to know and be reminded that God is on my side. The psalmist writes, let's start with verse 5. From my distress I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God is not against me. Some people kind of got that in the back of their head. That God is just trying to find out what's wrong in my life. Not true. He can see everything. Yeah, he can see is what we've done wrong. But he gave us his son so we could have that forgiven. And he just wants everyone to turn to him and be reconciled and be at peace with him. To get out of the, the evil ways and walk in the good ways. But God is for us. Just think about that. The Lord is for me. He wants me to do well. He wants me to prosper in this life. Yeah, he wants me to do well in this life. But he wants me to find him and serve him for all eternity. Yes. But, you know, we've got a lot of years to live here, Lord willing. And he wants us to do well here. He's for me. He'll support, help, strengthen, protect, fight for, bless. Because he loves us. That's what love does, isn't it? Doesn't it? Love will sacrifice. Love will give. Love will help. Love will work for another person. And that's what God does. God is love. We sang the song. So because of that, the psalmist says, it doesn't say this is a psalm of David necessarily, I will not fear. There's the thought again. What's man going to do to me? Yeah, man might harm me. Satan might attack me. I might have pain. I might have trouble. But I'm not going to be afraid. Because the world can hurt us, but the world cannot take my God. 
The world cannot take my Savior. The world cannot take my soul. And the world cannot take my future. These all belong to God. Our God is for us. Words to fight by. God is for me. So when things bad happen, what do we do? Do we blame God? Or do we place the blame on the evil one in the world? Right? How many people want to blame God? God is for me. God is for me. Words to fight by. Use them when the devil comes calling. Live by them. Maybe you want to memorize them. Have them handy. There's others, I know. And some of them you already use. God is a God of life. God is for us. He rejoices in us. He is the God of Sovereign God of all. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. As we close out, we offer an invitation for anyone who want, would want to come and serve this Savior and this Lord who is the sovereign God, who is over all, who is a God of love, who has given his Son so that we might all live. The invitation is always standing, not just when we're together. You want to call me or Mike or Mike at any time to talk, to obey the gospel, we're available. But if you're so moved today to do that, then we're here to assist you. If you need prayer, if you've been struggling in your life and, you know, Satan's been around and you've been off base with your faith, Blaming God, maybe? Being down and depressed about life? You need these words to fight by. We'd like for us to pray with you about that to kind of get you back on track, so to speak. We'd be happy to do that. But I'll pray with you and pray for you. Whatever your need this morning, if you want to come, please come. My brother Jim leads us.